Okay, so how's it going? Too bad. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm busy, but good. Um, thinking a lot about alchemy because I'm teaching a class on alchemy soon. Uh, so I'm like deep in that like trippy ancient text uh, world plus Baudrillard now. What about you? Uh, just kind of same. I've just been like trying to like evaluate the way concepts can yield certain forms and uh, dealing with a lot of like family stuff and you know medical emergencies and I'm sort of like I feel like a bit disjointed and fragmented and it's it's kind of difficult to keep everything going right now uh mm -hmm. but you know I'm here we're doing something on Baudrillard who you can say is like a secondary or third source you know this is not primary source stuff but i nonetheless i think it's i think it applies i think it's time to sort of return and reevaluate some of some of his, his stuff and i really like uh the last thing you actually wrote on alchemical armor oh. that was great you you read that huh i think that was from today i think right okay oh cool i'm glad you liked it no, it's great. I like <laughs> how you you wrote delete the bullshit by finding the truth in its nonsense. Alchemists like poets were often accused of madness, lunacy, frivolity, and hypocrisy. As it fell out of fashion, to fuck even marginally with alchemical texts was to risk being tinctured with a particular brand of lunacy. It's true. There is a trickiness about their paraphratic maze-like verbiage and exhaustible symbols. I feel like uh, Baudrillard. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that applies to him a bit. So I just wanted to say I've been loving the writing. Uh, for those who don't know, Emilea is one of my favorite writers in the world. She Aww. is a totally amazing thinker, a calming uh, grounding presence who has been on this show many times now. And I just wanted to say um, thank you and thanks for doing this. We are going to be doing a series, I think, on strangely Baudrillard live and his interviews. And I think it's kind of to me, it's strange because like an interview is kind of like a shortened, abbreviated version of a text. And so this is like a podcast about a sort of parasociologist interviews. You know, he he of, he often denies he's like a philosopher or a sociologist. People have called him an anti-sociologist. I think what he said is in order for sociology to prevail, there has to be some notion of a society or a social. And so he really fucked with that notion of, you know, uh, historical categories coming from various political factions, how they became reabsorbed into the margins. He was very critical of leftism. He was very sort of critical of, of any kind of uh, standard category in that mm -hmm. sense. And uh, I think it's, I think it's right on time. Honestly, I was, I, I bought this book at the bookstore by my house and I was like, first off, the cover is incredible. You know, it looks like I've never actually seen the cover before. 
and it's a Rutledge book. Uh, it was edited by Mike Gain. And... Yeah, the cover rocks. It's almost <laughs> like a horror movie vibe. Oh yeah, it's it's got a definite like sort of B uh, 1980s, almost like the movie Houston, Texas, where it's like all pastiche and fucked up and his face is like distorted and it's yeah. like a monochrome that's Xerox. So it's it, it kind of has a bit of that like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. And we know from Baudrillard that it's only real if it can be xeroxed so this is a real real image uh and also he looks someone said maybe in this book's introduction that when you meet him he kind of has the energy of like a union boss or something (laughs) yeah he's the columbo of of modern sociology (laughs) that's kind of what i said he's he's kind of columbo like and he comes across as like very unpretentious in his interviews, you know, like he's so like no nonsense, uh, doesn't stand for bullshit, very friendly. It, you know, there's something warm and cute and endearing about him. You know, he often dismisses this notion that he's even an intellectual at all. He's very self-effacing. There's something like, I think, very sort of charming about him as opposed to somebody like Lacan. You know, uh, yeah. who's, who's completely full of himself. And I, I and, you know, Baudrillard has a lot of criticisms of Lacan, too, in, in psychoanalysis in general. He basically says it's like bullshit and no longer applies and Freud no longer applies. And it, he's so radical. He's like anti-radical in a weird way. And I, that's like a mode I've been really sort of exploring. And yeah, this this cover just to describe the physical object, it, lo- it looks like a Wade Guyton, uh, you know, uh, art thing with the Xerox and the scribble. It's like a contain cover, you know, and, and that's why it just <laughs> it spoke to me so much, like the pastiche of it and the design element in the back. It says seer or connoisseur of the obvious fatal strategist or junk consumer. Mm. And that's the perfect place to be is this straddling of of high and low. The connoisseur of the obvious, you know, Baudrillard was famously infatuated with stupid shit. He loved America. He loved America, yeah. Stupid movies. He 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 talks about things in plain sight, which is like, you know, like jogging, yoga, like the desert, you know, and I think this book has that that same kind of pulse as some of his cool memory stuff. Right. Um, I could just like kick back on the beach with this shit and be really happy. Yeah, totally. It's got this very, yeah, like laconic, uh, charm to it and and, you know i think a lot of his stuff in the 80s he especially got into this flow of it's one of those books that and i think it's it's kind of like interesting to do something on like uh, a fourth order text you know and and even in the introduction uh mike gain who edited it uh basically was like saying how you know Baudrillard as an interviewee is it's so free form it's so like personable and it's not as thought out 
it's very much like a podcast, you know, like a podcast to me is kind of like, but you get these like kernels in there of just like, I feel like shit that you can't even find in his books because of the immediacy of this, of the subjects and the topics and the interplay with the interlocutor and the person asking the question. And mm-hmm. I just, I find it really sort of interesting. Yeah, that's, tr- that's true. It's, it's intimate. It's Baudrillard in an intimate kind of like offhanded way. I like how, yeah, in the intro he says um, that this has enormous advantages for the reader. Baudrillard's re- replies are as they were pronounced. They are not rewritten in any way. They are live. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I know it's so good. I mean, so it's cool to be doing a podcast on podcasts, basically. Right. <laughs> and not just a podcast, but doing multiple podcasts on uh, a life of podcasts. I know. I like the idea of bite-sized Baudrillard. I do too. It Just because I also feel like, and this is one of my sort of defenses of the podcasting medium is that it is actually as it is like you're not responding to a sort of mass you know xenobite of of information on the internet like when you put something out online you're not responding to a single person with a sort of singular vantage point uh that's you know imminently involved with things in their own domain like they used to be uh you're really responding to a sort of like uh to the simulacra of a, of a public. And mm. that's why I feel like Twitter feels like mind torture. You know what I mean? Is where a podcast, it's like you're reading through text, you're looking at stuff, you're you're sitting with another person or yourself or multiple people, and you're going through these things without looking, unless you're the kind of podcast that just regurgitates shit you see on Twitter. But you know, we don't want to do that here. <laughs> um yeah, 100%. Twitter, um, I did join Twitter for, I think it was like I lasted three days and I had to depart. Um, I, I like lack that faculty where I can just sort of shut, shut. maybe I'm too old, like I haven't been on Twitter, like my brain's not Twitterfied enough or something, but I just couldn't do it. Mine definitely is <laughs> and uh, How it's do you do a, it? maybe i'll try it, again someday. no no you don't want to get into it it's not worth it trust me <laughs> you think it's better uh, than- oh yeah it's way you better think I, I think on twitter though no i mean you look at the way uh you know yukui and even like burn like all these people that either have like weird representatives acting on their behalf <laughs> i know like uh you know, Bruno Latour had somebody running his Twitter account and they're just reposting stuff that they do, right. you know, like they're not actually engaging. And and I feel like the engagement factor is a really serious sort of problem. And actually in the introduction, uh, I like how, you know, he talks about, Gain describes the transpiration of evil he continues with the theme 
of the bursting of limits in Western society. I think Twitter is the kind of maximal bursting of limits. Here he continues with the formation of the transpolitical, you know, the breaking down and intermixing of all the categories and genres in the culture. The trans aesthetic is the boundary breaks down the boundary between art and non-art. The trans-economic, the formation of financial circuits, which break the boundaries of the economic and the political. And then he says something about the transsexual breaks down the boundaries of the male and the female. He doesn't make a value judgment there. He just says that. Um, and you can sort of take that as you will. But for Baudrillard, he maintains the opposition between the symbolic and the semiotic. And this, to me, the concept of radical alterity is super, super fascinating because I just launched this like weird uh, sort of retarded clothing line, the stupid, wacky stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this idea of like evading the creeping capture, you know, and in the radical alterity is the sort of symbolic from semiotic difference, you know? And so he's interested in symbols and as are you. And if you want to get into your practice with symbols and alchemy, and I feel like there's there's so much overlap between your writing and some of Baudrillard's stuff, so. Yeah, I'm interested in that too. Also, congrats on the fashion line. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it pretty sick. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm so interested in this idea of returning to a kind of form. And, and I love what Baudrillard says about fashion because, you know, he dresses like a union boss. He looks sort of like, you know, this frumpy old man, but he was very interested in fashion because he said, uh, not only does fashion renew itself in reality, but it also stays an enigma. And that's, this is why he's interested in it. And I think that quote is kind of what what I touch upon. You know, you look about, uh, at least in terms of certain fashion designers, like Walter Van Beerendonk, somebody said the claim he was the weirdest man in fashion. It's like these sort of radical people, like they have to be really strange because the trend cycle makes it. So the weirdest people are the only people who can stay ahead of the curve. And I think fashion in particular, when it comes to sort of post-cultural production, maximizes for that with like uh, Beer and Donk and uh, Demna from Balenciaga, where you have people who are like, the, the trend is coming and they're so weird, they can like stay at the sort of front of it. And that's a kind of, that's a kind of progressive will that I find very, very interesting that I haven't really found in music or uh, visual art and it's it's refreshing you know i i'm a fashionista what can i say <laughs> no I don't, I don't know i but i've been writing more stuff like that so it's it's funny no i'm into it yeah i'm i'm a bit of a fashion fashion whore myself um, <laughs> yeah i mean i think all this stuff like it's interesting because it fall it sort of falls into his ideas about seduction. Seduction was the first. Okay. So, so I'll sort of address this thing you mentioned about symbols and my cosmic stuff. And, and um, seduction was the first Baudrillard book I read. I was like very young and I didn't understand it, but it had this, do you remember the cover? Do you have that book? Yeah. It's 
so seductive. I was obsessed with the cover. And so I fucking read it. And he, at one point he says this, and I've read it again since then, and I still love it, but he says something at one point in that book, um, I'm going to butcher it, but something like he who's who no, he who no longer seeks to seduce the stars is the sadder for it. And um, that was like when I first started practicing astrology and giving readings, that was like the quote I had on the on the page where people booked <laughs> like this Baudrillard quote. So I do feel in this in this weird way that Baudrillard has been like a midwife for me or something like I, I practice ancient astrology and I use alchemy and, and whatnot to sort of help me understand it. But I also use Baudrillard. And um, he, yeah, he, he's into signs and symbols. And I think, I think he is an alchemical thinker in a lot of ways or a cosmic thinker because, um, you know, and this is the whole thing with, we could think about like planetary glyphs or um mm-hmm. alchemical Im- imagery uh symbols are inexhaustible you know they one could spend a lifetime with one symbol and never really um logically piece it together because it doesn't it has another logic it's a little bit like a poem i guess um as opposed to a sign which stands for something um and you can parse it out a little bit more or something. So I think that for Baudrillard, um, there is this like, for me, like what's so interesting about Baudrillard and why I keep coming back to him is like, he has this strain running through him where he's really interested in finding, I guess what he calls the fatal, um, which has to do with death in a sense but it all and what is inescapable or unavoidable but it also has to do with fate and destiny and so you know he says this thing uh, in one of my favorite Baudrillard books is the transparency of evil and he talks about how he does think we need we do need oppositions uh, we just have to find them in other places now perhaps exactly that's yeah. such a good point right so a lot of like quote-unquote feminists or whatever like hated him <laughs> oh I know and he even says that at one point. He's like, oh, I lost the feminist. It's a pity. <laughs> yeah, he said it, that that was really sort of funny. And I, I, I really like what he also says about like how he was perceived. 